1: Suburban moms appears to be the latest group that the Democrats can rely on. And the th- the striking thing about that, and it is striking, is that they are moms. So if they're suburban, the odds are they're married. Married mothers were, married women with children were a, a generally pretty reliable group for the Republicans, if it turns out, and I say if, the the data are not all in yet, but if it turns out that this is a reliable Democratic voting group, uh, the the conservatives of the country, the people who want to keep America committed to Judeo-Christian and American values, the two systems that make up America. May I say, just for the record, I have a book explaining America. If if Americans had explained America, Christians had explained Christians, Jews had explained Judaism, and conservatives had explained conservatives to the next generations for the last 60 years, we wouldn't be in the trouble we are in. That's why that book, Still the Best Hope, is so important. I don't mind saying it about a book I wrote. It's the book that uh, most affected Julie Hartman when she was at Harvard, and now she is truly one of the most important spokespeople for this country of her generation. It's called Still the Best Hope. And it shows this country is based on Athens and Jerusalem, to put it in the way philosophers do. If this group is alienated from those values, then we have another obstacle. As Hispanics move right, apparently the suburban mom moves left. I spoke yesterday about the abortion issue and how important it seems to have loomed. So let me explain something that I did not mention yesterday. In trying to explain the election at a time when everything that the Democrats have influenced has turned to awful, with a president that has no respect, let alone popularity, we have a nothing and I think we have essentially a crook. But I don't care about the crook as much as I care about the values. The man has has either no values or bad values. A vice president whom nobody has respect for. And a party that has led this country to the inflation, if you believe the lie that it's all because of Putin, there's not much I can say. We had inflation prior to Putin. The primary reason for inflation is energy. The left has done everything possible to suppress America's ability to have energy in the name of forestalling existential calamity by the end of the century, or in 12 years. They they alternate between every 12 years and the end of the century. If if under these circumstances, where children are, are abused by teachers en masse, by sexualizing them at an early age, by teaching children that this country is an S-hole, and you can't then have a serious victory, then there's something else at play in addition to abortion, which I admit is an issue, an issue in terms of electoral votes. And that is this, what they believe. We who are conservative forget something. They don't hear us. They don't read us. They don't study under us. They don't watch us. We do all four of those things. We hear them, read them, see them, and studied under them. We know what they believe, and they do not know not just what we believe. They do not know what we know. they believe january 6th was an insurrection first unarmed insurrection in modern history there were probably more arms in in the french when they stormed the bastille in 17 was it 89 yeah. then there were those who entered the capital on january 6th of was it 2020 2021, right, the end of of his administration. God, it's it's a year and uh, ten months ago. If you believe that people who don't want their children sexualized have passed in Florida a don't-say-gay law, that's the way they call it. They always put it in quotes, admitting that those words never actually appear in the law. But it doesn't matter because if truth mattered, there would be no left. There would be liberals and there would be conservatives. So, this all leads to a very interesting... I don't know if it's that interesting. It's of interest, but it leads to an extremely significant conclusion, which I think my producer will appreciate. Therefore... The only avenue to hope for this country is to persuade more people with regard to what is true and good and decent, and that's it. And that is what some of our lives are dedicated to, making the case for truth and beauty and happiness. And the Judeo-Christian value system is rooted in the Ten Commandments. Correct, sir? Correct. There is no other answer. My dear, dear listeners, there is no other answer. We must explain what is happening. We must explain America, and we must change minds. If we don't change minds, we lose our country. The existential threat to America does not come from fossil fuel. It comes from ignorance. It comes from propaganda of the left. If this were fundraising month for You, I would ask you to send funds to You. <laughs> it is not fundraising month. So I won't even ask. I will just tell you, that's why we exist. That's why talk radio exists, not just PragerU. That's why Daily Wire exists, TPUSA exists. Job Creators Network, from whom we'll hear uh, later in, in this hour, that's why they exist. And some great websites, but those websites are visited overwhelmingly by people who agree with them. I wonder if people on the left even visit real clear politics. Real clear politics, half the articles are on the left, but half are on the right, and they, they don't want to visit anything that dissents from their view. Has, has Have any of these suburban mothers, whom I guess were moved by what, most what were they moved most by the the issue of abortion? Mm-hmm. That's it's really if that's true, that's really disconcerting. These are married mothers. These are people who these are women who have been pregnant, who carried a baby, and they have somehow been persuaded that their human right as a woman largely depends on their right. To take the life of that baby at any time of pregnancy for no reason other than the woman wants to? The Garden of Eden story is the story of the world. It is the story of the world. The serpent says, Eat from this tree. And you'll be like God. You will determine good and evil. That is what is happening in a nutshell. The left determines good and evil. Nothing above the individual's feelings determines good and evil. I explain this in my three-volume Rational Bible. The latest just came out. It's life-changing. Please read it be returned. The Fed is unstable. Interest rates could go up at any moment. If you're relocating and need to buy a new home or invest in real estate, get fully underwritten and approved with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian at Sierra Pacific Mortgage before you make an offer. Their fast-track approval process will allow you to compete with cash offers whether you're buying today, tomorrow, or a year from now. Even though housing prices are stabilizing or coming down, economic uncertainty, supply chain issues, and limited construction means the real estate market is limited and competitive. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com right now. Get fully approved today and have confidence so that when you're ready to buy, you'll have the money ready to go. Don't wait. Go to andrewandtodd.com. Lock in today's still historically low rates. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Yes. Okay, let's see. Tom in Monrovia, California. Hello.
2: Yes, Dennis, I'm wondering if you were surprised by the weakening.
1: I'm I'm sorry that your line blocked out. You wonder if I'm surprised about the weakening influence of the the former president uh,
2: on, on the people who are running on the Republican side.
1: What do you think my answer is?
2: I don't know. That's why I asked the question.
1: Right. Okay. Often we ask a question, but we have a hunch. You have no hunch. I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just curious what, how you're thinking with regard to me. Do you think I'm surprised? Yes, okay, good. All right. I'm not. You're not you're not, and why why not surprised? Because Donald Trump is preoccupied with the cheating that he and many others believe took place in the 2020 election more than he is in electing Republicans.
2: Well, he he, he he is claim he is claim, he is his claim that he won the 2020 election is is a cheating comment. I mean, he didn't win the 2020 okay. election.
1: you don't know that, and I don't know that. I, I know that for a okay. fact. Oh, you know it for a fact. Wow. Mention a source. Mention a credible source. Right. Uh, okay. There are so credible... y- there are so many credible sources, but any mention one of none. them. But you, you'll uh, you you will say that they are. Uh, I had her on the show yesterday. What what is her? Julie. Julie Kelly, in a completely credible source to me, but not to you, because she writes for American greatness. I mean, the the. Uh, let me ask you a question, Hello. and I mean it. And, I'm, and I don't know your answer to this. I don't have a hunch even. Do you believe that uh, tens of millions of mail-in ballots? a month to vote rather than a day, do you think these increase or decrease the likelihood of cheating? Or have, no, or have no effect?
2: Uh, I, I don't believe they had an effect, and the reason I don't believe that, Dennis, is because this is the first time these ballots have been questioned in the history of American politics.
1: I thought that Hillary Clinton thought that she she was cheated. I thought that the... the she was in, wrong. She wasn't cheated. She won right. the election. okay, well... Did you ever hear from me one moment of denial that Joe Biden is president? Am I allowed to even think skeptically about the election, or is that immoral and wrong in your eyes? Immoral and wrong in my eyes. So how could, wait, wait, how could what somebody thinks, okay, let let me just, okay, this is an interesting and important discussion. I judge people on what they do. I don't judge people on how they think. I know. Okay. You judge people on how they think. I suspect that you're, you're a liberal or a leftist. That is a very common thing on the left. Condemning people for thought, however, is the source of totalitarianism. It's a very scary thing to condemn people for what they think.
2: How am I condemning people for what they think? How, how do you, how do you, you, you draw you, that conclusion? You
1: just said that to me. You, just said, you, you, you don't condemn me for thinking that there might have been cheating? I do condemn you for for thinking okay, my, so Then why did you ask? who <laughs>
2: I'm being, You're confusing me, Dennis. Hold, hold on one second. Right, right. I don't. I don't know exactly why I'm confusing him. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, I am. I, I am certainly uh, find it to you be. You began. Uh, you
1: began the discussion by asking me if I was surprised that that uh, the former president, whom I thought was a great president, and said so for four oh, years. Okay. Well, all right. So, so let me let me ask you. Tell me what he did, not what he said, that you differ with. Donald Trump. Yeah, forgetting. Let's forget oh January sixth. His, his,
2: his lying and handling of of the the COVID
1: crisis. Come on. Uh huh. So, had there? What did he lie about in the beginning that he said it wasn't that uh, it wasn't that serious?
2: It'll be, it'll be over in April,
1: The right. summer we'll, yes. we'll, we'll quash the... Okay, uh, the, so uh, which, uh, which law... Lo- uh, right.
2: Can I go on? Yeah,
1: yes, you can.
2: Uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine will work. And you know that hydroxychloroquine... Beyond,
1: uh, one minute, you know that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. You know that. I, I know what I've read. Yeah, I know what I've read. I took hydroxychloroquine. I took, I hydroxychloroquine. I and where I took it for it? a year. Pardon me? I took hydroxychloroquine for a year and never got vaccinated. Tell me something with regard to lies and COVID. Do you think it is a lie that the vaccine works, or do you think it's perfectly true?
2: I think the vaccine keeps people out of the hospital and out of death. Yeah, yes. but
1: they said it prevented COVID. So they lied when they said that, didn't they? They didn't lie. They didn't know that. We still don't okay, know that. Okay, so how season. do you. So, wait. So, Trump, when Trump said something wrong, he He's lying when the CDC and NIH say something wrong, it's because they didn't know.
2: No, but, but, but it, it, it's, it's beyond uh, con, confusion or uh, that, that uh, hydroxychloroquine and, and the other drug which you took uh, Ivermectin. Are, are non-efficacious. Uh, really? It's, it's, I see. Okay, so CDC.
1: all the doctors who say they're efficacious are lying. And where are those doctors? Where can I read about those doctors? Well, uh, Vladimir Zelenko and, 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 and the uh, vast Zelenko. numbers of doctors. And in, in what is, uh, what is uh, uh, Simone's group called? The frontline doctors. The whole group of the frontline doctors. Jeffrey Barkey is uh, a doctor in Southern California. You're in Southern California? Yeah. No, you're in Monrovia. Yeah, he's not far from you. He's in Orange County. Victor Zelenko, Vladimir Zelenko, poor guy died of cancer, wonderful human being, a religious Jew, doctor in, in Brooklyn, New York. Said to me he saved hundreds of lives. Only one person that he treated with COVID died. And it was because it was too late when he gave him hydroxychloroquine with zinc. Yet the, the doctors who say this have nothing to gain. Big pharma has a lot to gain. Every doctor who said this told the truth. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today, and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special available to my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream bedsheets, marked down as low as $29.98, Mike is now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still providing the soft feel you look for in a towel. This set comes with one bath, one hand towel, and one washcloth, typically retailing for $49.99. For a limited time, you can get this three-piece towel set for the low price of $19.98 with the promo code Prager. Don't miss out on these extraordinary offers. There's a limited supply... So be sure to order now. 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Prager. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. I'm going to go straight to Steve Cortez, former CNN political analyst, advisor to President Trump. And he's presented a PragerU video, one of the most important we've put up of our 500 plus videos, What Happened in Charlottesville. It's really, really important. By the way, that is a good example of what I was talking about at the beginning of the last hour in explaining the election. One of the most important things one needs to understand is that half of this country never hears the other side. Half this country hears both sides. Virtually every conservative voter knows what the left says, thinks, does, but the vast majority of people who vote Democrat don't read us, hear us, watch us, or study under us. They don't know what a lie it was that the president said that they were good Nazis. It's just a lie, like the Russian collusion with the Trump campaign was a lie. So you should watch that video, What Happened in Charlottesville. Steve Cortez is on the line. Pleasure to always a pleasure to speak to you, Steve. And you can see Steve, by the way, which you're very lucky to do. This is one good looking man. <laughs> <laughs> How Dennis, are you, Steve? You're not Steve? smart. you got to try to look good, right? You know, I, uh-huh.
3: I've, always, I, I've always said that a can can really make up for a lack of knowledge. At least I found that personally. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, uh, it's very interesting to think that you got where you did on looks. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got there on brains, but uh, they both help. Anyway, so Steve, there there are two issues here. Let's go to the election first. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Did you predict a red wave? I did, yes.
3: Um, and I was wrong on the
1: extent. No, I don't think I'm going to be wrong
3: directionally, because I do believe that the House takeover is, Practically a certainty, and I think the Senate uh, takeover by the GOP is still likely. Uh, but yes, I overstated in my projections. I believe, for example, if the Senate was going to get to 54. Uh, I do think we're going to get to 52. We'll see in the coming days. But yes, I was too optimistic. And part of that, Dennis, is, you know, my background, of course, is in, is in finance, is in financial markets. For 25 years, I was on Wall Street as a trader for some of the biggest hedge funds in the world. And when I look at the economic situation right now, how dire it is, the absolute mess that Joe Biden has made of this economy with his complicit Democrat friends on Capitol Hill, I thought that was enough to produce a really outsized wave. Um, as it turns out, it wasn't. It was enough to produce a reversal, and that's important. You know, again, I, I also think that there's there's a little too much gnashing uh, of teeth and wringing of hands right now on the right. We didn't do as well as we wanted, but we are taking power. We are going to take that gavel away from Nancy Pelosi, and in all likelihood, I think we're going to take the majority leader status away from Chuck Schumer—that is to be celebrated—while at the same time being introspective about what we did right and did wrong in this election.
1: So this is excellent. I want to ask you why you're optimistic about the Senate in a moment. So yesterday, I tried to explain why a fair number of people on the right did predict a wave, and my theory is—is that—is sustained by what you just said. You looked at the objective reality of America and said, under these circumstances, with so much going wrong, I it is, it, it, there was no rational reason why there won't be a Republican wave. And that, that turned out not to be the case because, and, and this is my fear, a, a lot of Americans don't think rationally at this time. They think emotionally, and they, between abortion and the quote-unquote insurrection, and all they hear and only hear, that trumped, if I may use that verb, that trumped the reality that they that they live in. Does is that, is that make sense to you? Sure. No, listen, I, I think that is absolutely part of
3: it, is that... Uh, and, and I hate to admit that, right, because we don't want to say that we live in a country where there's a significant portion of the population, perhaps nearly half, that doesn't want to think rationally, or doesn't care to think rationally, right? That's, that's an indictment of our society that's very discomforting to all of us, but I do believe that it's at least close to being the reality. You know, I also think on the more rational side, for voters who, who made a thinking, you know, conscious choice to not vote Republican, uh, either stay home or in fact vote for the democrats i do think that I mean, an issue there also though dennis and a more rational and more reasonable excuse is the lack of trust in the gop so in other words they're very dissatisfied with their situation and we know that overwhelmingly you know for example cnn polling uh, shows that 75 percent of the american people say we are in a recession right now because they're living it in their daily lives so they're very dissatisfied with the situation but they're not convinced that the Republican Party is going to fix it for them, that it's going to address it. And they have some valid reasons for that skepticism, particularly when you look at the last time that the Republicans controlled the Congress, both houses uh, and the Paul Ryan speakership, particularly for working-class Americans, just did not deliver very much. That's the reality. And the only only tangible, deliverable items that did occur were only because Donald Trump effectively went to war with the leadership of his own party on Capitol Hill um, and forced the issue. So uh, I think that's also part. I think I think it's both. And your your theory, but I'd like to add an understandable skepticism about the GOP.
1: Wow. That that's that's an important point. If you had if you were the spokesman of the GOP and had sixty seconds to speak to the American people just about the economy, what would you say? You know, I would say
3: we're going to do two things as soon as we take power. Uh, priority number one and number two. Number one is to secure the border. And you might say, wait a second, I want to talk to the economy. That's an economic issue. It's an intrinsically economic issue. This porous open border is terrible for our national security. It's terrible for our street safety. But it's also terrible for our prosperity because Joe Biden has incentivized and welcomed in, according to the Daily Mail, 5 million illegal migrants into this country. The overwhelming majority of them are now competing in the labor market unjustly and illegally against American workers and depressing wages at a time where because of Biden's inflation, real wages have now fallen. We know as of today, we got inflation moves out. Real wages have now fallen 19 months in a row. Something that has never happened in all of American history, 19 straight months of falling real wages. The open border is exacerbating that situation. I would say, secondly, then, priority number two has to be unleashing American energy again. The the genus, the the, the beginning, really, of this inflationary madness was Joe Biden declaring war on domestic American energy production. The Republican Congress needs to tell Biden this is issue one and issue two, and unless you agree to secure the border, unless you agree to unleash American energy, we will have a showdown, a political showdown. We will not fund one dime of your initiatives. So these issues that are was addressed. terrific.
1: That Steve, that was terrific. So, I say this uh, not accusatorily, obviously not vis-a-vis you. I'm just curious, can you name any Republicans who have said what you just said?
3: There are a few, but not enough. Well, One of them is J.D. Vance. I mean, he didn't say it in exactly the terms that I just used, but I was deeply involved with his campaign, and so I'd like to think that was part of why he got there but primarily just because of the kind of candidate he is the kind of man he is so there are some uh, saying that sort of thing blake masters who i hope is going to prevail i believe is going to prevail in arizona wow. said very similar things but there were not enough candidates saying that no in, in other words there was far too much of simply uh prosecute the case against biden which should be done and that's relatively easy to do But there was not enough of, and here are our action item solutions that are achievable, by the way, that are not the pie in the sky. I mean, that's a showdown we can have, that we should have, and that we better have, quite frankly, come January. And I I mean right out of the gate in January in this new Congress, at least on the House side, looks sure to be under GOP control.
1: Do you think Kevin McCarthy will say either of the two things you said? Not unless he's
3: forced to, not unless he's pressured to. No, listen, I am extremely skeptical uh, to say the least, that's put it mildly of uh, McCarthy. I uh, regularly attack his record. I think he is a corporatist establishment sellout. He does the bidding of big tech uh, again and again. So no, I don't believe that he left to his own devices, at least to his own inclinations, will go there. But uh, can he be pushed there by his caucus? Yes, I think perhaps he can. You know, I don't think McCarthy has many principles, and one of the only upsides to having a leader without principles is that he can be moved, and he can be moved significantly if he thinks it's in his own self-interest to maintain his speakership. so uh, i don't think he will be he needs to be led there he won't be the leader of uh that movement
1: i personally asked him at a forum a couple of years ago about e verify and and he dismissed it as as an essentially as a non-issue and and that was very disturbing to me because yeah. it if if the corporations keep hiring illegal immigrants, there's no solution. I want to stay on with you. Steve Cortez is one of our country's clear thinkers. Hey folks, coming together again after two years of waiting. I'm going on a listener cruise again. It's called Gems of Southeastern Europe. May 31 to June 13. Thirteen days combined land and cruise on AMA Waterways. We are chartering our own ship for you and me. The cruise was just announced. It's already almost sold out. Book today at 800-345-2483 or click the banner on my website. Go to coastlinetravel.com. Again, everybody, we're chartering the entire boat. 800-345-2483. It will sell out. Or click the banner on my website. Or go to coastlinetravel.com. Steve Cortez, you're optimistic about Arizona. That's that's fascinating. Uh, Tell me why in the case of both Carrie Lake and Blake Masters. Yes, well, in the case
3: of Kerry Lake, and I think it's clearer there that the remaining batches of ballots that are outstanding. And uh, Charlie Church, by the way, did a great job of getting into all the details of this. Uh, but when you look at it just mathematically in terms of the probability, where the remaining votes are, uh, the percentages that she has already accrued in those very jurisdictions, um, and the total outstanding, it's very likely that not only is she going to win, but actually win by a reasonably comfortable margin. I don't mean ten percent, but I mean by a few percent, and I think you know, she has made that case quite well herself, uh, as have others who have looked you know, deeply into the numbers. Now, it's much less clear on Blake Masters, I will admit that. Um, but I'm basing my my optimism there primarily on talking directly to him and to his uh, campaign team. They believe that it's going to be very, very close, but on a, on a similar trajectory and path as Carrie Lake, just not as numerically big a margin. I want to say, by the way, you know, speaking of of reasons why we underperformed, and again, I you know we're going to take the house. I believe we're going to take the Senate. So there are also reasons to rejoice. But at the same time, it's like when a, when an athletic team wins but didn't play as well as they should have, they they should be introspective, right? Every good coach does that to a team. Okay, you won, but I'm actually going to be on you than if you lost, right? Because you underperformed. Another reason, though, looking at underperformance, you know why is Blake Masters in this uh, this you know showdown, to what will apparently be a photo finish. A big part of the reason is that Mitch McConnell decided to use his tens of millions of dollars, his massive war chest, um, on fights that were ultimately futile, for example, on Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, a terrible candidate who never should have been our nominee, or on the intra-Republican Party feud in Alaska, rather than giving one penny. He didn't spend anything on Blake Masters in Arizona. And even if Blake Masters ultimately loses, he clearly was an incredibly effective candidate to come this close. And I think he's going to win. But I'm saying even if he were to lose, he has proven that he's an incredibly effective candidate as a newcomer to politics to take on an incumbent, well-funded senator like Mark Kelly uh, and take him right down to the wire. Uh, that tells you that a few million dollars well invested in that race probably puts this race over the top. And we're not even having this conversation right now.
1: He wasn't given any money by the Republican establishment?
3: Uh, no, not by the establishment at all. Nothing came from Washington, D.C. Why? Now, Why? He, what, he what, what did the they stars. have
1: against him? He's, a very, he's I, a very qualified man.
3: Of course he is. No, listen, I mean, you know, I don't believe too much in credentialism, but as credentials go, his are impeccable, right? Stanford educated, uh, incredibly successful career in private equity, uh, a great husband and father, a man of enormous character, serious man of faith. Uh, outgoing, good in media, good on camera, you know, all of it. No, he's, he's young. I mean, he's got all of it. Here's what he doesn't have that they uh, are, are fearful of. And to some extent, I guess they're justified, is that he's not an establishment lackey. And believe me, if Blake Masters goes to Washington, D.C., and if he joins J.D. Vanther, these are guys who are not going to join the Washington Uniparty. And they will not be okay. To get, Let's get specific. You mentioned uh, McCarthy and his lack of support for E-Verify. Uh, because they want to, because I, I think, because he's a shill of the corporate interest. Well, let me tell you something. Blake Masters will never be a shill of the corporate interest. Blake Masters is probably more serious on the border than any other candidate in America. He happens to live very near the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, but also just from a policy perspective, he takes it as seriously as anyone. And given that, given that he's not um, somebody who they believe they can control, the, the Republican establishment did not get significantly behind him, and so he was massively outspent in that race. And again, I think he's going to win, um, but it didn't have to be this close, is my point, if he just had some resources behind him. And Mitch McConnell chose to not devote those resources there.
1: I mentioned in the first hour, and I may be wrong, and I would like to get there for your opinion. In the underperformance, let's say Pennsylvania— Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that the constituency that was lost now, that had been Republican, obviously, so I'm not referring, let's say, to black America, which is largely Democrat, mm-hmm. do, do you think the suburban uh, mother shifted to the left? You know, well, certainly
3: it has been shifting to the left for years, right? I'm not sure that it was a significant further shift this race, because— one other interesting aspect to this and Dennis believe me I'm not looking to make excuses again I'm I'm admitting here you know nationally that I was wrong I was too optimistic okay and we and we again we need to be serious we need to look inward and we need to figure out what we where we why we underperformed and what we can change going forward um but I do want to also say this when you look at the national election right uh when you don't go by district the Republicans did win by 6% nationally, just head to head over the Democrats. And there were about 100 million votes, so it's almost exactly 6 million votes. So the Republicans did win. Part of what I think we're seeing here, why we didn't win, you know, why we're going we're to win in the 20s, it looks like, in the House seats, but not the 30s or 40s or 50s, you know, some sort of wave, is part of it is gerrymandering has gotten so precise and so good that there just are not that many vulnerable districts out there. That's the reality. On both sides, right? I mean, we just did not see significant incumbents losing. There were a couple stories, sure. Um, The head of the Democratic Campaign Committee lost, which is obviously particularly embarrassing for him. Uh, The man in charge of of their efforts in the House lost his own seat. But let's face it, when we look, there really were not many incumbents knocked off on the House side. And I believe a big part of that is, number one, as a country, we've become obviously far more polarized. But number two, the state legislatures have become much more scientific and precise in mapping that polarization and guaranteeing safe districts. That's just simply the reality. And if we won by 6%, Uh, we are going to end up with roughly in the neighborhood of of a 6% surplus of of House seats. I think a lot of us were hoping we were going to have a 10%, 15% surplus because of the economic situation. You know, but again, to your point about, and to your question about suburban women, you know, educated suburban women, I think in this election, rather than voting on the economic issues, decided to vote on on abortion issues, even though it's not a federal issue. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's correct. You have, uh, you have some important thoughts on vaccines and children. We're going to get to that in a moment. Steve Cortez is a very clear thinker and speaker. Watch his video at PragerU, by the way, What Happened in Charlottesville. Show it to your friends.
4: My admiration of
1: Steve Cortez is such that I will even go to the third rail Donald Trump, Steve Steve Cortez used to be with CNN, and he was an advisor to President Trump as a. As a how many views? Do you know how many views your You video has on Charlottesville? Are you uh, are you familiar? Uh, what is it?
3: I yes, over eight million, which is just fantastic. And by the way, congratulations on your five hundred videos. You have done so much for this country, so much, particularly for the youth of this country, who have been so largely uneducated thanks to the failures of, of public monopoly government schools. And you is stepping into that gap, and you've just done incredible patriotic, altruistic work to educate people, especially young people.
1: Well, I'm going to say thank you, and I'm going to say you're right. <laughs> both are, Both are true. By the way, it's more than eight million because that's only the YouTube views. That's not the, oh, the okay. direct. No, I just want you to know that. So it, it's it's. I'm sure it's well over ten million. I just wish three hundred million saw it because right. there is still this the lie that Joe Biden continues to say yes. that that President Trump said that they were good Nazis. Uh fine, fine. That's it. Fine Nazis. Okay. Fine so Dennis, he, yeah. he
3: he even brought that lie globally if i could just quickly interject because not only you know it's, it's he launched his campaign on it on a, you know on an abject lie that's right he continues to repeat it quite regularly mm-hmm. but when he was at the nato meetings in europe he brought it up again there and so i think unfortunately probably introduced that lie to an international audience that may not uh you know have been subject to it previously and probably now believes it believes that the president of the united states me a Nazis very fine people it's a verifiable lie has any president
1: think. ever gone internationally with an attack on his predecessor not to my knowledge exactly not to my knowledge well he's, he's a he's a low life in my opinion you don't even have to react yes. to that so uh, okay so the 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 New York Post which is pretty solidly conservative Fox News others mm-hmm. uh, they're 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 not enthused about president trump trump's role in in these midterms that in a nutshell he picked candidates the charge is based solely on whether they would say that the last election was stolen not on whether they could be elected is there legitimacy to that charge you're a big trump supporter so i'm asking you Right. No,
3: listen, I don't think there's legitimacy. You know, I mentioned, for example, J.D. Vance, who won overwhelmingly in Ohio. Uh, I don't know that J.D. would have won his primary. It was a very competitive primary, which is a good thing. Good for Ohio, good for the movement. Uh, very competitive primary. I don't know that he would have won it if it were not for the enthusiastic endorsement and support of President Trump. So President Trump you know, can take a, a lot of the credit for him now being the senator-elect from the state of Ohio, and he selected a fantastic candidate. In J.D. Vance. And there are a lot of other examples. Uh, Carrie Lake, you know, very much the same story in a very competitive primary in Arizona. I don't know that she would have prevailed if it were not for President Trump's support. And I do believe she's going to now prevail. By the way, just a quick update there, if you would allow me. While we were on the air, Carrie Lake herself just tweeted this out. Uh, and just to give some evidence to what I was saying before, that they have now finally, and it, it's ridiculous, of course, that it takes this long, but Maricopa County has now finally put a number on it, and the number of mail-in ballots that were not actually mailed that were physically dropped off. So they, that's, they count as mail-in votes, but they were physically dropped off on Election Day at the polls. We have the final number, 384,000. None of them have been counted and we know statistically that because they are effectively game day voters, these are going to break overwhelmingly for Carrie Lake. Um, and her her quote, actually Carrie Lake in her tweet is quote put a fork in it. Okay, so so she said it, it's done there. But anyway, Carrie Lake, assuming that she is going to prevail, indeed, I, I, again, like J D Vance, a candidate selected, supported by, and in many ways. Uh, uh, really, you know, anointed almost in a way by Donald Trump. So listen, I think that there I think all of us, Okay, myself, uh, strategists, candidates, President Trump, uh, party leaders, Mr. Come I think all of us should take a look in the mirror and figure out what we did well and what we did wrong and what we can do better next time. So is there some blame to be affixed to President Trump? Yes, I think, of course, there's some when you underperform as a team, I think there is a lot uh, of, of work to do, and everybody should be willing to say, you know, to, to seriously study All what right. they did so, right, what they did wrong. So, what they Steve,
1: I like to bounce ideas off the people I most respect, especially if they probably don't agree. So he, here has been my concern, and you know how passionate for four years I was in supporting Donald Trump. I thought he was the best president since Abraham Lincoln. I, I, you can't get more endorsing than that my my fear if he runs and is nominated is, is that instead of the left being the issue in the elections he would be the issue and so i'd like you to react as soon as we return and then we got to get to the childhood of vaccines this is a joy to speak to steve cortez and you should i think you have a, a, a duty to truth and the country to see his video by the way i'd pray for you <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to or back to the Dennis Prager Show. One writer who always writes important things is Michael Walsh. And he has a brand new book, Against the Great Reset 18 Theses Contra the New World Order, by 18 very important writers against the great reset it is up at dennis com. michael walsh is a screenwriter best-selling author political commentator former music critic for time you have no idea folks the amount of self-control i am engaging in by not just talking to him about classical music <laughs> it's it's very painful <laughs> I will tell him one thing, and then we will get into it. First of all, Michael, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you, Dennis. It's really a pleasure to be back on with you.
1: So I just want you to know, my wife and I have a project. Wherever Bruckner's 5th or 8th are played, we fly there. Most recently, we, we flew to Chicago to hear the Chicago Symphony Orchestra play Bruckner's 8th. How's, wow. that, how's that for dedication to music?
5: Well, I'm just thrilled you've gotten off your Haydn kick and finally found a good composer that you can listen to. So that's an enormous progress on your part, Dennis. Congratulations.
1: I'm thrilled for you. <laughs> that, that is painful. I'm sorry.
5: That, what are we going to do our, our U.S. tour where we talk about Haydn and Mozart for two and a half hours? We could fill stadiums.
1: Stadiums. The, absolutely. Exactly. Of the deaf. <laughs> the deaf will show um, up.
5: <laughs> I'll tell you, Bruckner's 8th is the most magnificent symphony ever. And it all comes together, just for the brief note on music here, it all comes together in the last 20 seconds of the piece, mm. where he pulls everything together, transfigures it in a way Wagner could only dream about, and gives it to you when you go, I've been on a journey, and now I understand what it was all about. It's one of the great revelatory pieces That's of right. music in That's the, right. in the literature. That's right, and to
1: hear it with the Chicago Symphony is wow. to taste heaven. So now to your book, which is not about heaven. I'd like you to, this is really significant, I want you to explain as concisely as possible, I know you could do it at length, and it's tougher concisely, what is The Great Reset?
5: Real simple. It's exactly what I say it is, Dennis. It is a creature of the World Economic Forum, which is based in Geneva, Switzerland, but has an annual meeting an annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland, which culture fans will recognize as the site of Thomas Mann's great novel, The Magic Mountain. And there, the captains of industry and crowned heads, including the new King Charles III of England, get together to discuss how they're going to make the world a better place, minus people like you and me and all of your listeners. You will own nothing and be happy. That is their message And while it's sometimes said, oh, it's a right-wing conspiracy, they're misrepresenting, I encourage everyone to go on the website of the WEF and look up The Great Reset, and everything you want to know about it is right there in their own words. It's horrifying.
1: Is is The Great Reset their term? Yes, it is. That's very very important that people know that.
5: Yeah, it's not something we just made up. There's a book by Klaus Schwab, who is the blonde villain who runs the World Economic Forum. He's, he's, uh, he reminds me of Dr. Zell the Marathon Man, you know, the guy that's torturing poor Dustin Hoffman in the dentist's chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, this is his notion. He wrote a book uh, with a colleague of his during the COVID panic, which was called COVID-19, The Great Reset. So they're using the COVID-19 beta test that they just ran on the entire world to see if we should give up our First Amendment freedoms, among other things. And it works so well, they're ready to roll out the alpha version of it. It's, it's very, very frightening.
1: So you believe their final aim is that people own nothing, or were you exaggerating?
5: No, no, that is they, they say that. They have a video that actually says you will own nothing, and be happy. What they want us to do is live in high-rises because this is all uses the climate change folks as a uh, excuse to impose the new lockdowns on us. Uh, they think you should live in a high-rise building. Uh, you can't eat meat anymore because that, you know, the cows damage uh, the atmosphere. So you will eat bugs. If you haven't tasted insects lately, Dennis, you're in for a real treat with these people. Uh, you'll have an electric vehicle, maybe but it will only go when they allow you to have electricity to run it, and most likely it will only go where they allow you to go. Uh, And they would also like to to more or less have the population of the world because there's far, far too many people, and they need the planet to be a nice place for John Kerry to sail his yacht. So we're supposed to just, you know, go quiet.
1: But why will John Kerry be allowed to own a yacht if we're supposed to own nothing?
5: Yeah, that's just for us. The, the, uh, the nomenklatura, as we used to say back in the good old Soviet Union, they will have all the privileges that they have now. They fly into Davos on private jets, by the way, while they're fretting about climate change. So it's a giant exercise in hypocrisy, but it's a very dangerous one. And uh, I was lucky enough to pull together, as you mentioned, some very, very distinguished writers from around the world, from Canada, from Britain, from Australia, from the United States, and ask each one of the, mostly men, we have one woman, Janice Fiamengo, from British Columbia in Canada, but mostly men, uh, to attack the concepts of the Great Reset from a different perspective. So we have the economic, we have the personal, we have the political, we have the professional. Uh, We have an end section, which I wrote the final essay, called The Ineffable, which is about how Totalitarian fascism, which is effectively what this is, how it negatively affects the arts and how the arts function under this form of government. Because I was there when it, when I saw some of them, including in Russia during during the late '80s. It's a very very dangerous thing, and it comes, of course, presented as something that's good for us and we should like it. But only if you're a sheep, does the sheep pen look comforting.
1: Well, that's that's of course the problem. Most people are sheep. Uh, I, I wrote in twenty twenty very early on uh, a column titled "Dress Rehearsal for a Police State," that mm-hmm. this, and that so that's exactly right. Correct? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, you just lived through a police state for two years. Can
5: you believe? Dennis, you and I haven't talked that well. Can you believe that we gave up? Our freedom of speech, our freedom of assembly, our freedom of worship, we just gave it up for mm-hmm. no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I am stunned as a Catholic that the Catholic Church rolled over so disgracefully that it makes you almost never want to go back in its doors again. They really let it Well, down. if it's
1: of any consolation to you, it's as true for Protestants, Jews, and Mormons.
5: Yeah, yeah, I was afraid of that. So this is what we're facing. People will be, Remember, you know people, you know them better than I do. Yeah, They will always do the thing that they think is the right thing. And they don't realize the devil, that's how he works. Why would he say, hey, go do something evil? No, most people would go get the behind these satans. But when the devil says, oh, it's very good, it's going to help the planet, it's going to this, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And in and and you go, and the door slams, and you're done. So uh, watch out. Anyway, we have great, great writers, Conrad Black, uh, Michael Anton, Roger Kimball, the late Angelo Cotavilla in what I think is his last major essay. Yeah, you
1: you dedicated the book to him.
5: We did, yeah, because he was such a great man and such a, he was just the embodiment of what you might call a classical liberal, right? He was well-educated. He was from, he's Italian. He has all the culture, that Italy, he just embodied that. And I was so proud to know him. Unfortunately, near the end of his life. Uh, We have Richard Fernandez. uh, We have David Goldman, who is one of the most brilliant thinkers in America today. Uh, It's really the 27 Yankees of uh, center-right thought, and we're very proud that it's doing very well.
1: The book is up at com, folks. It's called Against the Great Reset, and it's by 18 terrific writers. Against the New World Order, the Great Reset. It's very scary. Sorry?
5: Sorry, I was just saying we wanted to evoke 18 theses against, you know, something. As as you know, as a a man of faith yourself, there's been lots of books about against. I'm I'm deep in first-century Christianity and Judaism right now for my next book, and one of the writers I'm reading is Tertullian, who famously denounced the so-called heretic Marcion, in a series of books called Against Marcion, Contra Marcion. So we have Contra This, Contra That. We just That's passed right. Anniversary that was the basis. Of Luther. Uh, now we have the 95 Theses anniversary recently. So we wanted to put this squarely in that intellectual...
1: Well, you did. You did, and, and, and I think it's a great a great book. It's up at com, and we will speak again. Like no. So the... Uh, the book that Michael Walsh has contributed to and edited, "Against the Great Reset." These people who who want to create this massive revolution in human life—the desire to control others of the Klaus Schwabs of the world, of the UN Secretary General, of Al Gore—and and it, it's. This notion, oh, you know, you hear this a lot, oh, you know, deep down we're all the same, it's not true. That's not true at all. I have nothing in common with Klaus Schwab except that we're both homo sapiens. That's it. That's the end of a commonality. I don't want to control you. And I don't want to be controlled. But especially, I don't want to control anybody else. So I don't, I, I don't have that instinct. He does. All these people, every one of them, Bill Gates does. They, they gather in Switzerland and they discuss how they can control your life. The idea that you live in a, in a home, medium-sized to large home, in the suburbs... Drive the car you want, when you want, where you want. This bothers them because they can't control you. You're going to go wherever you want, anytime you want, and live in a home with ha- which has more room than you actually need, the New York City apartment being the ideal, where in order to actually walk through, you have to have a bed that folds into the wall that's the ideal high-rise apartments none of this none of this american style freedom you live where you want in the home that you've desired oh none of that stuff and you eat meat you environment ruiner You eat meat. See, none of this is an exaggeration. This is exactly what they're... They're against meat eating because cows flatulate and that is affecting the environment. David Horowitz, the great expert on communism and the left, said from the beginning, the environmentalist movement is a watermelon. Green on the outside And red on the inside. Exactly right. That's what it is. Green on the outside and red on the inside. Not red as in Republican, red as in communist. The proof that they're not serious about the environment, although they believe that they are, is that they're not for nuclear power. They're for control of your life. That's what they're for. There's no organized opposition. There are massive numbers of individuals who are opposed to this. Well, not massive. There are a large number of individuals opposed. I expected institutional opposition to control of our lives to come from religion. And I realized during COVID that I was too optimistic that the the average clergyman is as sheep-like as the average non-clergyman. It is very, very... This was the most, to me, the most depressing part of those last years, of those two years, was the sheep-like behavior of churches and synagogues. They were as scared for no reason. They were as obedient for no reason as the most left-wing hypochondriac. They competed with one another to shut down their houses of worship for no reason. Get it? No reason. No medical reason. They just shut down because they're sheep. Catholic, Protestant, Jew, and Mormon. Of all of them, the Mormons disappointed me the most. I have to tell you. That's the one I expected to march to the beat of a higher drummer. And they didn't. They went like sheep, like the Protestants, Catholics, and Jews. A handful of evangelicals, Orthodox Jews... Traditional Catholics, they they dissented a handful. I had some of those pastors on on my show during the time. I did a fireside chat with one. In retrospect, do you realize what a colossal, colossal, unprecedented mistake the lockdowns were? Sweden was right. The rest of the world was wrong, they're obedient slaves, to the words, just all you have to say to the average person today is, science says, and it's what thus the Lord saith to a religious person in the biblical age. Problem is, there are a lot of scientists who said science didn't say that. Did science tell you how many kids would end up depressed, suicidal, drug addled, because for no damn good reason they were kept out of school and couldn't even look at humans because of the masks? You think it was rational to mask two year olds going on planes? Two year olds? That's the Great Reset. Walsh is right. We return one eight Prager seven seven six. Hi, everybody. That is Prager here. So I, I'm I'm looking at a November two internet story. Poll finds massive shift of suburban women to Republicans in midterms due to economy. The polls were, were entirely wrong. There, there was no massive shift of suburban women to Republicans. Do you know, again, just remind you, I call them pretty accurately things about life and about society. When I said that the lockdowns were the greatest international mistake ever made, two months after they were they were begun. And so many other things, and this is one of them. I don't report to you polls, generally speaking, maybe on social issues, but not on political issues. They, they don't mean anything to me. This is part of the reason that Republicans predicted this wave, red wave. They may not even get control of the Senate. I certainly hope that uh, they do, because they read the polls. And as I pointed out yesterday, the day after elections, the abortion issue seems to have been quite big in the minds of many women. Doesn't speak well for those many women. You don't have to be religious, you could be a pure atheist, to have moral difficulties with most abortions. Put aside rape, put aside incest, put aside the health of the the mother. The vast majority of abortions are not of rape victims or family incest, which is the same as rape or anything like that. They were voluntarily engaged in acts of sexual intercourse by adults. The health of the woman is not jeopardized by the pregnancy. She just doesn't want the baby. In, in massive numbers of cases, an adoptive home could be found. I know this. One of my children was adopted at birth. Most people have gone out of the country to find children who either can't have or just want to adopt. Can't have biologically, and I should be precise. There's no there's no moral defense of most abortions. Even if you're an atheist. The fact that it's mostly religious, the opposition, the moral opposition to abortion speaks well for religion, but you don't have to be religious to think that way. What is a woman carrying? A virus, a pimple, an insect, what is she carrying? What do you call it? A fetus? Have you ever asked a pregnant woman, how's the fetus? What are you going to name the fetus? How's the fetus doing? She wants the child. It's a child. If she wants the child and someone kills it, it's homicide. Go to jail. How could that be? How could the same exact thing happen? In one case, it's homicide. And in the other case, it's an abortion. How is that? I don't understand that. If, if she wants it killed or a stranger wants it killed, it's still killed. It's the only instance I know of where the perpetrator is the person who determines the morality of the act, or the morality of the act is determined by who engages in it. I, I'm not asking that these women be arrested. I'm talking about moral clarity. I'm not talking about legality and illegality. I'm talking about moral clarity. I, I, it's, it's astonishing. She wants it. It's homicide. She doesn't want it. It's not homicide. You get that? Would we say that about a born child? You want it? It's infanticide. You don't want it? It's not infanticide. Why does the geographic location of the being determine the morality of the act? We can continue. 1 8 Prager 776.
0: Until I saw your halo, I was blind until I saw your light. Okay,
1: everybody. I'm going to take your calls, but I, before I do, I have another reflection here. What would, what was ha- Kathy Hochul's uh, victory margin? I'll get that for you. Yeah, I'm very curious. How do you live in New York City and vote Democrat? Are you that wealthy that you are in a guarded apartment? Fifty-three
0: forty-seven.
1: Fifty-three forty-seven. And what was the? If you could, please look up. Uh, the uh, Cuomo victory. He was the last governor of New York. What what was his margin? I mean, Lee Zeldin was a serious candidate for the Republican candidate for governor of New York. Fifty three forty seven. So I'd like to know how did Buffalo vote? How did Rochester vote? How did Syracuse vote? is it, is is New York controlled essentially in its voting by the the gigantic metropolis known as New York City I'll find out all of these things for you but those are operative questions in my mind in
0: 2018 Yeah,
1: 2018
0: uh, Andrew Cuomo got
1: Andrew Cuomo 60
0: 30 36
1: essentially Oh Sixty thirty yeah. six. Well, this is a big, a yeah, big yeah, movement yeah, for yeah. by the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's important for us to know. Uh, but I, uh, my next question is, how lopsided was it that New York City decided it? <laughs> Oregon. Did Oregon have a gu- gubernatorial election, yeah, and the yeah. and the Democrat won there? Yeah, it was supposed to be very, be, very competitive. It was supposed to be competitive. Yeah, but, but. the people of Portland, I assume, decide Oregon generally. But they're doing well in Portland. Can't open a, Can't open a store in downtown Portland. Many are closing. A once beautiful city has been shattered by the left. Both in terms of violence and in terms of politics, but we'll just keep voting Democrat because the Republicans, and I'd like people to fill in what what the rest of that sentence is, because the Republicans are, what would they say, fascists? Mm -hmm. Is that it? Oh yeah, that's right, threaten democracy. That's the one. Don't vote Republican. They threaten democracy. Portland went. Portland, yeah.
0: 72. 72-28. Well, it was 72 <laughs> for the Democrat. Yeah, 72 for the 20 Democrat. 20 for the Republican and 7. 20?
1: And 7 uh-huh. for an Independent. Seven, 7 for... 70 to 20.
3: <laughs> In
1: Portland. In Portland, right. But Portland is where most of the population is, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> Seventy twenty. There should have been a proposition. If there are propositions in Oregon, there should have been one. I am. Uh, I hereby vote to destroy my state.
0: So in New York.
1: For yeah, in New York. Yeah. The Bronx went. Okay, the Bronx. Yeah. Seventy-eight to twenty-two. Seventy-eight, twenty-two for Hochul. Yeah. Well, because the Bronx. Is crime-free, generally speaking? Drug-free, crime-free? Yes, guess, guess what Manhattan did. Manhattan? Okay, I will guess. But or let me repeat what the Bronx was. Uh, Bronx was 78-22. 78-22. So let me just remind people about Manhattan. I forgot which election, but it doesn't really matter. If... Every single one who voted for Trump, yeah, that was the election. Well, there were two Trump elections. But in 2016, if every single, I, if I recall correctly, if every single Manhattan resident who voted for Trump were gathered in one place, they could all fit in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's, that's right. Which holds what, like 60,000, 50,000? There are millions of people. <laughs> Yankee Stadium would f- would take every single Trump voter from Manhattan. There would be none left. Okay, so if the Bronx was 70-20, it's hard to believe that Manhattan was even worse. So 75-15. 82-18. 82-18. In Manhattan, which is Manhattan. Another- uh, no, no, no! The city being being ruined, truly ruined. The quality of life in New York City has deteriorated dramatically, thanks to the Democrats' tolerance of violence and homelessness, and bailing, no bail for people who commit violent crimes in many cases. What was that? Eighty-two fifteen? Is that what it was? Eighty-two eighteen. Eighty-two eighteen. So fewer than one in five people living in Manhattan voted for Lee Zeldin. Rochester and
4: Buffalo did a little bit
1: better. Rochester and Buffalo did a little bit better. That's exactly right. All right, we got a black Republican in South Carolina wants to know, wants to talk about the GOP's poor messaging to minorities. One of the only things that appealed to me if I were ever to run for office was to go to a black community as a Republican. And I, I would love to engage in dialogue in a black church, for example. Why do you vote this way? I would I would love to do the same thing in synagogues to all the New York Jews who vote Democrat. We'll be back. How did it happen that this is the final segment of the show? Does anybody have an answer to that? Okay. In Westminster, South Carolina, J.R., who has been holding on for a long time. Hello, J.R.
4: Hello, Mr. Prager. Uh, You were in my neck of the woods a few months
1: ago. That's right.
4: And then, uh, unfortunately, because of scheduling, I missed you. I'm sorry I
1: did, but I still enjoy I asked where you were. I was disappointed.
4: Yeah, (laughs) the work that you do. But uh, to your screener, I I did just make mention of the fact that the Republican Party, really, since Reconstruction, uh, there has not been a strong, aggressive uh, presence um, with the GOP and their messaging. Uh, really to everybody, as indicated in this last election, but specifically to minorities, uh, is very poor. It's it's very poor. And as you said, you could come to a black community, Dennis, and uh, you could articulate any point that you make because you deal with the real issues of life. And uh, that's why people would receive you.
1: And would I believe that. This. I do believe that. I, and even though I'm not running for office, I would still love to do that. Your point is, uh, is, an, is not a new one, and I have a thought on it. One of the reasons—I don't defend it. I, Republicans should be vigorous in going into the black community and speaking. They should, if, if 10 people show up, they should speak. But there is a positive reason as well. It's, it's not just poor thinking on the Republicans' part. In the conservative mind, what works, works for everybody. Black, white, brown, Christian, Protestant, Catholic, Jew. So they don't think in those terms. Democrats do. How do we appeal to blacks? Is a, is, a, is a left-wing question. How do we appeal to, appeal to Americans is a right-wing question. That's part of the reason. My, my producer points out Tim Scott makes, makes excellent arguments that's, for why blacks should vote Republican, and maybe they're working. I'd like to see the, the votes there. For Tim Scott he won he's yes that's right well I'd like to see specifically the black vote but I do I do want to make that clear that that's part of the reason it's not the mindset of a conservative to think gee what are we doing for blacks for Hispanics for for whites for, for it, it, it that's that's not how a conservative thinks that's part of the problem David, Michelle, Derek, Kathy, Brian, Jenny, no, Jeannie, sorry, and Phil. All important, and I can't take any of them. Thank you all for listening. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia.